Hi, everyone. I'm Adam Asmanian, Executive Editor at NextGov FCW, and your moderator for today's Tech Spotlight, Inside Software Factories, Government's Innovation Accelerators, underwritten by ServiceNow. During today's program, we'll explore the people, processes, and technology required to run a successful software factory. And I'm joined by a great group of subject matter experts. We have Lily Zaliki, uh, Deputy Chief Information Officer for Information Enterprise at the Department of Defense, and Gay Nazareth, Director of Solution Consulting Air Force and DOD Fourth Estate at ServiceNow. And I'm hoping to turn to each of you uh, for some quick opening remarks on um, you know, your work and, and how it maybe intersects with software factories and certainly with, uh, with innovation and software. Um, and Lily, I'd like to start with you. All right, thank you so much uh, for having me here. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about our work about software modernization and software factories, which is an integral part of it. Um, as you know, um, we've had the software uh, modernization strategy since uh, early uh, 22. I think it might have been signed out in 20, late 21. Uh, and then March 2023, uh, we uh, released our uh, implementation plan for the, for the strategy. And really, one of the fun foundational goals, as you've noted, um, is the software factory ecosystem. And what that really means is a network of software factories that we would want to have, and not just to have them, but really, ultimately, our goal is to have software development, delivery, and update pipeline at speed of the mission need and really uh, to have these software factories closer to the user um, and where the needs are. And really that was one of our um, software modernization strategy initiatives that we've um, been going uh, down the road of. And um, so I'm, I'm really glad and I'm honored to be here to discuss, um, have the opportunity to discuss it. Great, thanks Lily. And Gain, I'm gonna ask you for some opening remarks as well. Yep, absolutely. And thanks for the intro, Adam. And thanks for having me. Uh, and, and super grateful to share the stage with Lily. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I've, I've been in the tech space for about 18 years now. Uh, my first half, uh, I supported a lot of commercial customers, uh, you know, some of the enterprise, large, large customers. Uh, I've obviously always been in industry. But over the last eight years, I focused primarily on the DoD. Right, Air Force and defense defense agencies, purple purple estate or fourth estate, right? Um, so I think I've got unique perspectives on both ends, and I'm super excited to to hear what Lily has to say on that as well. So well, great, grateful. Yep. Well, let's just let's dive in. Um, I I first became aware of the software factories as they as they were starting to launch a few years ago. And uh, from the point of view of a reporter, software factories were great because they were highly entrepreneurial about press, about getting attention, and they had to thrive. And one of the ways they wanted to, I think, build um, uh, build a kind of following or, or or showcase their own importance was uh, being getting out there, doing events, doing press. So we love the software factories. We thought they were very, very cool. Um, but they're also, you know, part of the Department of Defense, and they have to execute on the larger goals of the Department of Defense. And so, as the software strategy evolved, these factories are becoming a big part of it. So, I guess my first big question, Lily, is how do you get these sort of like some quasi-independent, freewheeling, but mostly entrepreneurial, you know, shops to kind of work hand in glove with a sort of command and control that that you know, you expect from the Department of Defense. I absolutely love how you 
couched it, I think you sort of have alluded to some of the answers because one of the beauties of the software factories is that they are leaning forward. Uh, they're innovative. Uh, this is a new way of doing software and new way of, uh, you know, innovating and bringing software at speed um, on a continuous basis, continuous delivery is what we call it, a pipeline. So we don't want that to stop. And really the software factories brought forth um, our ability to really see in real terms that it can be done um, in, at, at speed. The Kessel runs were the, fir the first one, but uh, now we have up to 50 actually uh, software factories. And I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, how do you manage all that, et cetera. But I think the balance is we are really uh, through the, our software modernization implementation plan. As you know, we've laid out some key aspects of it. One is really laying out guidance and standards, which we're working towards right now. In some cases, we've already brought forth the DevSecOps or the development security operation. Really what these software factories do is bring these um, aspects together with the user input. So we are already working. Um, we've you know done reference designs, DevSecOps reference designs, activities, tools, everything that supports our ability to have sort of a consistent um, um, software factory, foundational software factory uh, implementation uh, and adoption across the board. They're all not going to be cookie cutters, but at a minimum, we're laying out these uh, foundational guidance for, for the software factories. In addition, we are also really focused on doing software factory inventory because to your point, uh, we don't want a proliferation of software factories where, you know, 10 of uh, software factories are doing the same exact thing. I think you all hear us use the word rationalization a lot with cloud, with systems, networks, everything, just like anything, if not managed, if not metrics appropriately, if not tracked, and if not uh, really um, uh, looked after in a real way, um, this has an opportunity to sort of get out of hand, but I think everybody recognizes that. So we're, you know, conducting uh, a good uh, software inventory across the department to sort of establish what, what is the enterprise criteria. So we are not there yet, but that's one of the things that the strategy sets out and that we're going to do, uh, which will help us and appropriate metrics, of course, accountability is always imperative in this case. And then um, the other piece is really establishing sort of the right uh, work roles for software, because that's one of our biggest challenges is, you know, you can expand as much as you want the software factories, but if we don't have the right skill sets and the right uh, people uh, deployed across, uh, that's going to be a challenge. So the, you know, our ability to have the right work roles, the right designation, and this this is working across the department with the, um, you know, our DODCIO workforce team, but as well as other uh, organizations to make sure that we can, you know, hire, train, retain our, you know, the right work work skill uh, for for this uh, aspect. So I think this is really the formal way that we're going about it through the strategy and through the software modernization SSG. But 
as we are doing this and as we're sort of working on the formal guidance and structure, et cetera, it, at a grassroots level, the software factories recognize this as well. And they're actually forming, have formed a coalition of software factories and they're getting after the same kinds of things. So it's really beautiful to see actually the top down and the bottom up are sort of thinking about the same exact thing and we're coalescing to make sure that we have a consistent um, approach across the board. And one of the things that the movement to the software to the software strategy kind of represents, and it's like the it's a defense metaphor. Doing something complicated, they say it's like turning an aircraft carrier around. Exactly. And one of the aircraft carriers you're turning around is is going from a kind of like waterfall-based delivery system to a more agile continuous delivery. And so again, I wanted to ask you, what's that what is that a great signal to get on the industry side that this is really Absolutely, absolutely. And, Talk and a little, amplify on that a little bit, please. Oh, absolutely. And Lily spoke about structure, consistency, standardization, ecosystem. That's that's going to be extremely beneficial, both to the DoD as well as industry, right? So obviously, DoD, it, it's pretty obvious, right? If we can, if, if the software factories can share code, artifacts, processes, guidelines, it, it it will bring about a lot of efficiencies in cost savings and process savings and in levels of effort and all of that good stuff, right? But on the industry side, it helps us too. And, and I'm speaking as an OEM, right? Original equipment manufacturer. We build software. We build software for the DoD. And, and when we build software for the DoD, we intentionally build it generic because we know every DoD org that uses our software will configure it or customize it, right? Now, based on Lily's point, if we kind of standardize Right. What we could do is just out of the box, we can build tailor-made software factory products. Right. So we can just kind of plug and play. It makes us sticky as industry, right? We we provide more value to the DOD. And then obviously all the other efficiencies that come about it. So it's it's great. It's definitely phenomenal. I'd like to see more of that. Great. And we touched on this a little bit, um, but I'm hoping, Lily, you can drill in a little bit more on the sort of um how, what what's entailed in bringing the software factories um, up to up to like a you know creating some minimum standards? How does that communication process work? You said there there's a lot coming from the bottom up, but also you know can you talk a little bit more about what's coming from the top down? Uh, yes, so I think our foundational um, governance, and I always talk about you know I I don't like to talk about governance forums, but we do have. Um, a forum, the Software Modernization uh, Senior Steering Group, uh, myself with uh, my um, R&E uh, research and engineering and acquisition uh, community uh, leaders that we we co we try chair this group, uh, but they have a an incredible group of folks uh, from across the department that are experts that are part of this working group. That includes uh, representatives from the software factories and from the military departments and from the all of the components that participate in this group. So this sort of keeps us aligned and continue to walk this software modernization strategy plan that we've laid out, which I spoke about um, a, a few minutes ago, to be able to for us to be able to go um, implement in a methodical way and have the right metrics and the right um, criteria, uh, develop the right criteria together as the software factory coalition also 
on their own are coalescing and developing some of these standards that they bring into this group. So we, we attack it from different uh, perspectives, not just a formal governance, but we welcome the fact that they are coalescing together and we're going to funnel that information into um, our formal process. And ultimately we will surface policies, official policies and guidance that will enable and ultimately it is the intent is to enable to continue to uh, push forward this leaning forward kind of innovative agile process even i will even tell you our software modernization um, implementation plan is only set for fiscal year 23 and 24 which we're already done with 23 and already begun 24 and we're in the process of developing our 25 and 26 um, uh, guidance or implementation plan, which will include quite a bit of these things. As you see, we were doing uh, the inventory right now and all of our work together with the software factories. So this is how we manage. It's not a one size fits all. And we certainly don't want to curtail the incredible innovation that's been going on. And I wanted to follow up. Did the innovation that was sort of took place independently at the software factories, you know, before the software strategy was finished, did the efforts and activity of the software factory kind of show you what was possible a little bit? Did it guide any of that sort of strategic development? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it's as we were forming the software modernization strategy, as you know, you know, about seven years ago, as the idea of software factories sort of popped up with the Kessel Run group. Um, those two were sort of shaping together and coalescing. So I, I believe um, that leaning forward and leaders actually uh, going for it and, and supporting it in, in a sense, uh, allowing um, the software factories to do what they need to do to deliver uh, products and, and, and continue to do what they're doing helped us actually form and formulate our implementation, our strategy and implementation guidance to where uh, it now solidifies um, the fact that we really need to continue to flourish the uh, the ecosystem, as we call it, uh, you know, the network of software factories, because it's not, like I said, it's not a one size fits all. But again, I think we've, as we continue to grow the software factories, we're learning and we're modifying, right? We're uh, taking into account lessons learned. And I really believe this is going to uh, show up in some of the policies or guidance, whatever form it's going to be, ultimately, it's going to uh, translate into that. But ultimately, those folks that started, the leaders that supported that helped us, you know, run, start this engine uh, going. And, and we're, we, you know, we haven't stopped ever since then. And Gaye, I wanted to flip it to you for a sec. This must be a familiar business challenge in the sense that you want things to come from the bottom up, but you don't want chaos. You still want standards and enterprise governance. So uh, how, how, how do you balance, you know, in your organization, in your work? Absolutely. And and I'll say this, right? Like we, we always talk about standardization in industry. We talk about it in government, you know, but to your point, unless we have that strategy, unless we have policy guidelines, communication, training, uh, and that comes from top, that's not going to happen, right? So uh, I love the approach, Lily. You're saying amazing things. This is this is really really exciting. I, I feel like 
we, we are on the right track to kind of standardizing. Okay, great. And I also wanted to, I got one more, one question about sort of Kessel Run in particular has been mentioned a few times. Kessel Run was kind of formed um, kind of out of frustration with a system, with a particular <laughs> system that wasn't working. And um, they really went after a very large program. And I wanted to ask you, do you sort of see software factories going after these like really, really big uh, the big hairy problems as the as the software developers like to say or are you thinking of them more as like app kind of factories like where do you how do you see them fitting in not one size fits all there are multiple opportunities for them to contribute it's all of the above honestly uh, we have complex uh, software issues and we also have uh, I mean the way I look at it I mean to to have a um, you know, uh, easily accessible, navigable uh, websites for an increasingly mobile workforce, for example. Uh, but then now you have embedded, you know, weapon systems that have that are software machines, basically. So we are uh, in a really highly software-driven world, and we really um, believe that our intent is really to have software factories capable of handling both big programs and smaller projects. It all depends on the spe specific needs and requirements because we are about delivering capability at the speed of need. And you know, it, it, it's just, it's, that is really ultimately our mission um, and uh, that's gonna drive that. So to me, again, it's not one size fits all. It's not cookie cutter. I think the, Thank God for the Kessel runs, right? They've set the way. They've really, um, they're 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 the trendsetters. But ultimately, now we want to make that commonplace, right? We want to have as many software factories as we need to meet the mission. But also, we don't want it to go off the rails where we're now everybody wants their own siloed software factory. That's that is really where. Uh, the oversight and governance comes into play, but we have really not seen that um, yet, and we're still in the learning and forming uh, phase. So um, I really believe that you know the trendsetters have uh, will continue to teach us more um, as we you know as new ones come into play. And then just and to follow up on that, I think with Kessel Run, they were, uh, their, their organizationally were based out of Hanscom Air Force Base, but yeah. they decided to locate, I forget if it was in Kendall Square in Cambridge or in Boston, but they wanted to Boston. be around the hub where the talent was. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of ask, like, is that still going to be a feature? And I think there are others in Austin. There are some others in other high-tech corridors. Is that going to continue to be a feature of software factories as they uh, the ecosystem proliferates? To be honest with you, I think it, the need, uh, the requirement is going to dictate how software factories are going to formulate. I, I really, uh, I believe the trend is that, uh, as you call it, so sort of coalescing in a common place, uh, where the need is really where uh, we're seeing and what we believe is going to be more useful, where the user is very close and that you have the closer communication. Uh, ultimately, the software, um, uh, modern software practices and DevSecOps, all of these practices are about bringing the development, the cybersecurity, the operations, the user feedback, all of it sort of uh, in the same environment. And whatever helps us do that is really 
going to be what we're going to implement. But again, we have very different uh, military departments with different missions uh, across the board. Uh, the department has various missions. So it's hard to say like one way or another. And that's why you have we have variations of uh, formulation of software factories. And ultimately, I think we'll hone in what is at the enterprise level? What are the commonalities that we're going to standardize or we're going to you know, put a stamp on as a, a policy matter? But then what are the things that we're going to federate and allow that growth and innovation? We don't want to cur curtail. Ultimately, I continue to say, like, my job is to enable. My job is to remove hurdles. Um, so I think that's that's how we will approach it. But again, we're still rent learning. So we'll have to see. And, and and again, you know, in the workforce piece, you know, people who can do this kind of work, they don't necessarily grow on trees, you can train them up. But uh, in terms of in terms of trying to find your workforce, um, any thoughts, any thoughts from you there? I mean, it, it's no secret, right, that the top tech talent, they typically flock towards tech hubs, right? You're talking about Boston and DC, Francisco, right? Uh, it's, it's no secret they do that. So uh, but but actually adding software factories in a lot of those areas, I think the software factories will have access to some of the, the best talent out there, right? That's quick and easy access. I think that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect is it, it helps partner with industry even more, right? Um, and, and I think that goes a long way as well. Yes, we are. We live in a virtual world. We have access. We can do things across the country, no doubt about it. Um, but But the close proximity can help a lot, especially when we talk about piloting, we talk about prototyping, we talk about building uh, uh, applications that kind of we can test and try before we go to market or deliver value or or or, or provide capability in, in the hands of you know the warfighter, right? So just the proximity will definitely help with some of the tech hubs for sure. And and a quick comment, uh, Adam, on the previous uh, question about you know starting small and expanding the Kessel runs of the world and some of the other factories. Yes, they can handle large ones, but it's important to note that they started small, right? They they got those wins on the board. They got those runs on the board. That's one aspect of it. And the other one is just in doing that, they were able to kind of formulate and, and get their processes, their strategy, their execution, and their security in order, right? Now you have that foundation, so now they're able to take on some of the larger projects. So uh, I think that's an important uh, piece to kind of acknowledge as well. And that's a ch big challenge, right? Where, you know, maturing an innovation-driven organization um, gain. And I'm wondering if that's uh, something you can speak to a little bit. Just how do you, you know, people say capturing lightning in a bottle. I mean, it's 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 got to be hard to do to, to and sustain those wins over time. Absolutely. It's repetition. It's process. It's foundation. It's getting the basics right. Right. Again, like starting small, getting that foundation and Lily mentioned, right, having having those guidelines, having uh, policy, having all that in place to kind of nurture that foundation, uh, I think is key. Uh, you don't do big things right from day one, right? It takes a while. And, and Lily, I want to shift back to you and, and kind of shift gears a little bit towards the some other elements of the strategy. Um, the Software Factory Ecosystem Plan is listed just below the goal of accelerating adoption of enterprise cloud in the in the software in the strategy. And can you speak to how the factories and the cloud adoption plan are linked? Do you want the factories to be early adopters 
or even evangelists for the enterprise cloud. And maybe I should uh, caveat by saying to people who are, don't know, if anyone who would watch this uh, doesn't know, you know, the DOD is fielding a large enterprise cloud with four big vendors, and they are actively trying to get um, users uh, in the services and DoD Central to shift their their cloud workloads to the the new uh, the new enterprise cloud. Thank you so much for that setup. I I believe um, you know initially when we started uh, our uh, cloud journey, um, everybody thought you know cloud adoption and that's you know sort of the end all be all. But really, that was just the beginning. Cloud is an enabler that is going to fuel. Uh, these modern software practices, and you know, as well as uh, the software factories. Ultimately, it's going to provide the global access, uh, the scalability, the compute fabric that we need. So that's really what co what connects these two uh, in a big way, right? Without the the cloud um, foundation or backbone, our ability to do the software uh, modernization and the you know all the great things that we would want the software factories to do in a scalable and a very um, basically continuous basis is is not going to happen. So that's really the the connection. And obviously, with the JWCC, the Joint Warfighting Cloud Capability, which is the the uh, cloud capability that you me you mentioned, JWCC. Absolutely, we would want the software factories to uh, utilize it to the maximum extent possible. But not just the software factories; it's our entire department. As you know, we've released our JWCC guidance, and you know, within a year, the department has actually successfully um, awarded uh, several task orders. Uh, beyond our expectations, so it's been um, it's been it's been great. Um, but ultimately, I think it's not about just moving to the cloud. What does the cloud enable us to do? And it is really what we're talking about here with the software modernization and the DevSecOps uh, practices uh, and the software software factories being able to scale and automate and do the um, sort of the um, analysis and and uh, AI ML capabilities that that they would need automation that they would need uh, to continue to be uh, doing and delivering in a continuous way. And Gain, you want to chime in on, on, on the cloud piece? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the whole purpose of software factories is to deliver at the speed of relevance, right? And in today's world, there's no way we can do it without cloud. Right. Think about, you know, the, the benefits of just having the cloud out there, right? You, you know, the, you don't have to worry. Well, software factories don't have to worry about hardware, installation, operation maintenance, you know, patching, staging, disaster recovery, data backups. Let the cloud vendors do that, right? That way the software factories can, can focus on delivering mission applications. Uh, so I think that's a big thing. And, and I think everybody's in agreement. Cloud's the way to go, right? And I, I get the different classification levels. And I know we can build for that. That's something that's coming. I mean, you see all the major cloud vendors, uh, they are looking at impact level four, impact level five, impact level six and beyond. Uh, so I think we're headed in the right direction with that. And I guess um, maybe jump ball here, but it seems to me that once you have the software factories embracing the JWCC with 
it's only four vendors, four cloud ecosystems, the work that they actually do will just be that much more shareable across the defense enterprise. Is that is that correct? And and is that seems like it would be like a like a big goal to have things that you can just kind of lift and shift to other environments without too much customization. I, that's absolutely. I mean, one of the goals is uh, to have the uh, diversity. Uh, but also the ability to have optionality, right? Um, and and enable the software factories to have various options to you know to um, depending on the the capability they're trying to field. Uh, so I, I really believe uh, that one um, the interoperability piece you talked about, or you know shareability, but also it provides optionality uh, for us uh, just because of the vastness of the mission of the department. Okay. Well, we're closing in on the end, but I want to, I got one more question that I'm hoping to uh, get some uh, discussion on. Uh, one of the key security goals of, of the plan is validating the cybersecurity of DOD systems on a continuous basis, the continuous uh, authority to operate. And is this an area where you'd like to see the factories uh, lead, Lily? Oh, absolutely. They they already are, um, to be honest, because they are they sort of have to implement that right in order to deliver um, approved products um, that are authorized to operate uh, at the speed that they're moving. They're working hard, but the process right now is not um, as fast as we would like it to be. Um, that's really why the you know the continuous uh, authorization to operate. Um, issue is one that is really near and dear to our hearts and our cybersecurity um, uh, deputy CIO, the CISO is working with us as also um, the software uh, team from, from my team and the department uh, because DevSecOps software development processes are part of enabling this. So the integration of the development, the security, the operation. So that's sec piece, the security piece is really what we're talking about, you know, while ma making sure that we maintain the cyber risk management framework controls, etc. We need to speed up our ability to get the approvals. What are we doing towards that? And we're still continuing to work it. You know, we're one, we're uh, developing through our um, software initiatives, uh, the DevSecOps criteria to make sure that we we don't deviate from the risk management framework uh, requirements, but also how do we speed it up? Monitoring is part of it, um, and then also uh, reciprocity. So if we've done a certain kind of approval once, let's not do it a hundred times. So uh, we're really working in different ways to make sure that we speed up this um, authorization process because ultimately, to have a continuous pipeline of delivery, you have to have a continuous approval um, environment, uh, cybersecurity environment, but making sure the cyber posture uh, is maintained or improved every time. But our it's our perspective, you know, as the advocates of DevSecOps and CATO, uh, really that actually doing it this way and integrating the development, the security, the ops, and you know, having a continuous monitoring uh, approach is actually going to make us even more resilient and more cyber uh, secure. 
Uh, so really, we are uh, very hard working hand in hand with our CISO and the cybersecurity DCIO um, as both aspects, sort of the two sides of the coin um, are um, working this hand in hand to advance. But this is this is imperative, right, to uh, enable the uh, uh, software factories to be as effective as possible and really deliver in the way that, that we really would like them to at the speed we would like them to we need to get this moving and, and there's a reason we call it devsecops as opposed to devops right i yeah. mean security needs to be ingrained to your point lily needs to be ingrained in that and I'll, I'll offer some of my experience both working with you know commercial customers as well as dod obviously security is important on both sides but whether dod has gotten it right and they've done a better job is they've actually have security teams as a part of the process Right. So when you're doing requirements, security requirements need to be a part of it. When you're doing design of the system, security needs to be taken into consideration. Design, implementation, testing, everything, everywhere, security needs to be a part of. Right. And if you do it that way, you're able to kind of bring about a lot of efficiencies. I'll give you guys one example. Let's say, let's say a software factory is working on a small application and, and that small application doesn't have a database. Right. We, 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 we maintain that the authentication is strong, but it doesn't need a database at this point. Maybe when we're doing a security testing, when we do pen testing or scanning or even SQL injection testing, we may not need SQL injection testing because we don't have a database. Now, security teams may not know that unless they are part of the process, right? So just security being a part of the process can bring about a lot of efficiencies. We, we still make, maintain security. We still maintain compliance. Uh, but let's bring out software quicker while being a part of the single team. Okay. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there. That's all the time we have today. But a big thanks to our expert speakers for today's conversation and a big thanks to ServiceNow for underwriting today's program. Uh, if you missed part of the broadcast or want to share it with your colleagues, keep an eye on your email. We'll send you the link to the on-demand program and other resources shortly. For NextGovSCW, I'm Adam Masmanian. Have a great day.